Hi everyone. Before we get started today, I wanted to share a word with you and a special offer for all of our listeners from our terrific sponsor at 212. Now, if you haven't heard of 212 and you're a startup founder, you need to make sure you don't miss what I'm about to say. At the heart of every business is your cap table. It's how you know who owns what of the business. And not only is it essential to understanding your ownership, but it's also increasingly a legal requirement expected of you by investors and regulators alike. But managing a cap table on an Excel spreadsheet is a nightmare. Trust me, I myself have done it, and it's not something I'm proud of, nor would I do it again. After having raised money from over 2,100 investors via regulation crowdfunding. That's why when it comes to cap table management, I switched over to 212 and I'm not looking back. With their white glove onboarding service included for free, I was up and running with our cap table solution in no time. Now I should note something really important. Other cap table providers on the market price based on your number of investors, which means when it comes to managing all of your investors, especially from online raises, you can be paying thousands of dollars in yearly fees. And that's what makes 212 far and away the best and most cost affordable option on the market for startup founders. With 212, you pay one flat fee of $240 a year, regardless of how many investors you have, and you get their full suite of features right out of the box without any hidden fees. One of my favorite features is the ability to see how much you'll get diluted if you take that next check. If you're a founder or an investor, you owe it to yourself to check out the 212 website at 212.co. That's T-W-O-1-2.co. And get this, they're giving King's Crowd listeners an additional 25% off your first year membership with discount code KINGSCROWD25. Dilution is real, complex, and expensive. For just $20 a month, well, 15 after the discount code, you can sleep easy at night and be ready when your next investor says yes. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the King's Crowd Startup Investor Podcast. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Wes Burdine, the co-founder of the Minnesota women's soccer team. This is going to be a really cool one because unlike a traditional startup, uh, the Minnesota soccer team decided that they wanted to give an opportunity to the community to be able to invest in and own a part of a real professional women's soccer team, which I think is so, so cool. Um, This is going to be a cool conversation, one that's different from most that we have. Uh, so with that, I will kick it off. Wes, thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited for it. Thanks. Outstanding. Well, Wes, just to kind of kick it off, would love for you to tell people a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to found or co-found um, the Minnesota women's soccer team. Yeah, so I worked with, um, it's about eight people, um, nine people, um, it was initially an even larger group because we went out there and tried to find a group of people who are from the, the Twin Cities, the Minnesota soccer community, and, and create this great uh, group that could uh, launch a women's soccer team here. My personal background is that um, I meandered a lot and was in academia and got a 
a PhD and then decided to um, open a, a queer soccer bar. And that's been my, um, my kind of career journey. And now that position, having this bar that is right near the, the MLS team stadium, the Minnesota United Stadium, um, puts me, you know, in this spot where having written about soccer for, for about a decade and knowing the soccer community well, um, I was excited to have a place where we could expand the soccer world and, and hit something, hit a market that is extremely untapped. Um, women's soccer is huge. We all know this, right? We know how big Megan Rapino is. We, we know how big the Women's World Cup is and the Olympics are. And yet there are so few um, teams out there that are actually taking women's soccer seriously as a, a thing to sell cool jerseys and a way to actually meet um, grown-up needs. It, it's so often marketed as, uh, oh, well, dads who love sports can take their daughters and it's going to be great for role models and in this really patronizing way. And I, I, myself and the co-founders all saw this and we think, man, soccer is already big in Minnesota and women's soccer is big and we can hit this need here in a way that um that i just don't see even the the professional teams the nwsl teams a lot of them aren't, aren't taking it that seriously and and i think it's to their detriment i think that we all we can see how much uh, every time the u.s soccer launches a, a women's kit to celebrate the the world cup uh they sell out of important players names and, and it's like guys do you not get it this is big and you're not getting it yet. So, No, I, I think it's really cool. I, For those who don't know, I'm extremely passionate about this space. And I personally am a huge believer in investing in sports teams for the long term. I, I think I saw yesterday, uh, George Steinbrenner 70 years ago, I believe it was, or 50 years ago, I forget the, the number now, bought the Yankees for $10 million. And it's now worth many, many billions, I think like $6.8 billion. Now I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen or what have you, but there's so many trend lines working in your favor, right? Uh, fan experience, like just soccer in the US alone, and then interest in, in the female side of things, because it's just been so under represented on television and media and all of these things. And it's, it's finally starting to pick up and get the, the rights that it deserves. Um, so I, I think there's a huge economic opportunity here alone, never mind the fact that it's just really cool and really necessary. So tell us a little bit about uh, the team that you're founding and, um, and what league that you're joining in this founding of the team. Yeah, so um, the team is still called the Minnesota Women's Soccer Team. I think probably by the time this podcast is out, our, our official name that the community owners, um, our investors, uh, have, have voted on and the identity will be out there. Um, we, we had like a three-month period where we were working with them and put out uh, names that they voted on and then put out three brand identities that they voted on in, back in December um, and we are going to be playing in uh, the USLW League, which is a brand new league. Um, it's, it's what's called pre-professional in that um, I think it's, there's similar stuff in hockey and, and baseball in that this is basically a, um, a chance for women who are playing college or women who are out of college and have not found long-term, because there aren't that many uh, professional sure. opportunities, that they can come and play with us. And so it's amateur but it's at a high level and, and the USL is already established in, 
men's lower division soccer. They're launching this new league and, and it's a national wide league with regional um, groupings. And so it's a perfect opportunity for us to get in, in this space, which is um, we wanted this to be um, grassroots. We did not want to approach the whales with money and try to get into NWSL because um, because we see an opportunity to get in and build something small that eventually we would love to move to a higher level, but um, you, you can't do that from the offset. So the perfect thing of USL launching this league, us being able to launch this team and, um, and grow it from there and, and show the viability of really grassroots punk rock soccer, which is that it is community owned. It's owned by 3,080 people um, who invested an average of Shoot, I should have had, I think it's $347. Um, I should have had that handy, sorry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, it, and it's just, it's, we wanted it to be this small thing. We had larger investors come in and, and say, hey, you know, we want to, we want to, we believe in this. And, uh, and we essentially told them like, that's awesome. You can get in line just like everyone else, because we didn't want, we wanted to build something unique in the soccer landscape. And the great part about women's soccer is, um, that because it's still growing really um, uh, in a way that, you know, maybe is, is more like MLS, well, it's early days, yeah. um, that you can get in and build something, but there's also um, a level of larger interest around the country that wasn't there in, in the early MLS days for, for men's soccer. And so it's this unique moment where I think that we can build something like that um, from the ground up. I couldn't agree more. Um, it's definitely an undervalued, underestimated segment. And I, I think you're right with, you know, the women's world cup team in the U S is just phenomenal. And, you know, the likes of mega Rapino and, and whatnot, they're generating a whole new generation of soccer players who are going to be passionate about the sport and be huge fans of the sport. Um, so I, I think there's, there's a lot to come there. So tell us about, you know, some of your plans, you know, are, are you getting ready for the upcoming season? What does that look like? Um, where do you play? I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the team. Yeah, so a couple of those things are still yet to be announced, so I can't quite tell you where we're going to play, but there are plenty of um, mid-level options. Um, we're not going to the MLS stadium because this will be a smaller thing. We're hoping you know, we have 3,000 community investors. We're hoping for, um, you know, if we got 2,000 people to a game, it would be unheard of in this type of soccer but we think that we can get, um, you know, 5,000 people to a home opener and average, uh, average something above 3,000, um, which again would be um, five years ago, or let's see, five years ago when Minnesota United was playing in the lower divisions, not in the MLS, they were not getting those numbers. And so what we're imagining is, is pretty ambitious, but I think um, what our community investment campaign has shown us is that, um, that we, I wasn't even being ambitious enough. I, uh, I think that it really has tapped a level of interest and a level of um, kind of something that people haven't seen around the country. Um, we only have a few men's teams that have done what we've done, and um, and we, you know. We announced our stats just a few back in December. Um, you know, one of them are, are uh, all of them have experience on 
um, college coaching circuits and uh, elite youth circuits and, and this kind of level. Um, one of them played in the, the women's Bundesliga and um, wow. we, they're, they're, they were fantastic players on, on their own. And then now we're going to be announcing players over the next few months, you know, trying to get um, local um, Midwest talent, but also trying to bring in other players who um, maybe they're playing uh, part-time part of the year in Europe and have, you know, five months, six month contracts, and then they can come back and play as quote unquote amateurs with us and, uh, and try to get eyes so that they can move to the NWSL or move to, you know, we're, we're here to basically build up these women and put them in better spots. That includes our technical staff, our front office staff, our players. We want to be part of the, what's building up this network that, that doesn't really exist right now to get more women chances to, to have eyeballs on them and, and to pursue this as a career. And I, I would imagine if, you know, there's already a pretty strong fandom in Minnesota, right, for these other professional soccer teams, it provides an opportunity to, I mean, once you're a fan of a sport, you know, if there's more of it in your area, you're probably going to show up and go to that as well. Yeah. So some of what we're going to do is, is try to get that existing soccer groundswell. Um, Minnesota United is, is very good at getting people in their brand new stadium. And, and um, I, you know, owning a soccer bar across the street from that stadium, I'm very good at getting those people in my doors. Um, but this also is going to hit a group of people who maybe aren't going to those games as regularly. Um, they're, you know, the Twin Cities is very big. We, we always talk about how saturated it is because we've got NW, uh, or we've got the NHL, we've got uh, NBA, we have uh, WNBA who do fantastically here. We've got NFL and, and baseball, obviously. Um, so there's a lot of things as well as, a, a, you know, the University of Minnesota, but we're hitting a, a, a different type of target um, of, of kind of, uh, younger women out of college who sometimes go to those Minnesota United games, but they used to play uh, play a college or high school soccer and, and they want to get into it. Younger professionals who we found um, that a lot of the NWSL teams, some of their most successful uh, season ticket sales are to, um, they're not to the dads with, with daughters or, or the coaches bringing their teams. They are to, um, couples who have no kids, right? They're young professionals who want to go to games and this is an alternative uh, thing that they can go to. And so we can kind of hit, hit those groups like that. Very cool. Tell us a little bit about, you know, this is a business, it's essentially an entertainment business. What are some of the different monetization models and ways that you can, you know, produce income for uh, the team? Yeah, obviously the biggest is we want to put on uh, parties, you know, that we're there to have people come out there and soccer is a live event. It is not as uh, as made for TV as, as football or, or other sports. It is there so that you can be, um, have a real connection to the team and to the fans. Um, I've been a long time member of, of the, what are called the supporters groups in, in soccer in Minnesota who are the crazy people who uh, jump up and down and wave flags and sing songs uh, for 90 minutes during the game. And we want to bring that kind of energy. We want people to come to that. And that's going to be a big revenue driver. The other thing is um, it, we've seen particularly outside of MLS in these kind of lower division spaces in American soccer, the um, merchandising uh, 
that that teams like Detroit City, Forward Madison, who you know for for the real soccer heads, they know these. They've got racing Louisville jerseys because they have an amazing Paisley, or they've got multiple Forward Madison jerseys because they have they they put out three different kits a year and they are fashion, right? Um, we've seen that happen a little bit in Europe as well um, with some of these bigger clubs. And so one thing we can do is uh, make it cool to wear um, Minnesota women's soccer. Actually, I almost accidentally said the, the new team name. Um, <laughs> would have had you re-edit that. But uh, Minnesota women's soccer uh, um, kits there and, and make that a cool thing. We're working with designers who can help design really cool scarves, really cool hats. And that is definitely going to be part of what we do. Um, the other fantastic thing is... We have in the Twin Cities a really great um, corporate base. We have, uh, I think, you know, some of the, the highest per capita of, of major um, corporations in uh, of any um, metro area. And so all of them want to be involved in promoting uh, women. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here talking on this podcast. And usually I'm not the one representing the team. We've got multiple women who lead this team. Uh, you know, and, and they, because I'm the investment expert here, they kind of had me do this one, but, but we are a women-led organization. Our board is majority women. Our board president, Andrea Yak, is a fantastic uh, veteran of this scene. And so um, we find that these companies so far are really interested in getting involved in sponsoring women's soccer um, and sponsoring women-led initiatives. And so we're going to take their money. You know, we, we want to, we want them to partner with us to grow. Um, like we said, build these uh, career pathways for women and find ways to, um, to take uh, women's soccer seriously, not just as a pathway, but as something that we are all there to be entertained by and, and to have a good rowdy time at. Did you find that during the raise, you were getting more folks from Minnesota investing uh, in the team? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we kind of expected that, right? We, we launched this as a community organized team, a community led team, and we want local ownership. Um, what was more surprising is seeing how many people outside of Minnesota cared. Um, that, um, I, I mean, I knew that we'd catch some attention outside of Minnesota, but we had, I think, uh, all the states, including BC, um, except Delaware and West Virginia, they really let us down. And uh, we had, I think, eight different countries, uh, people from eight different countries. We had a, a couple different embassies people invested from. So uh, that kind of level of, of catching a, a broader global attention was a bit more of a, I don't know if it was a surprise, but it was certainly um, really fun to watch. But yeah, I mean, most of our people are from Minnesota and that's really great because we want this to be something that people have uh, um, stakes in. You know, this was led by a desire for us not to raise money. Um, obviously, that helps us do what we want to do, but the desire is to create something that people think about and to, to invert the dynamic that professional sports teams have, which is that um, fans are consumers to be sold to. And we don't want that because, especially in, in soccer, soccer is something, it's a community asset that is built, um, the most marketable moments are the things that people have created in the stands and um, at home when they're making the, the banners and things like that. 
And um, we want this to be something that people have stakes in so that it is their team literally, rather than something that a rich person owns and they do whatever they want with and hopefully they do cool things with. Um, so that was the real intent of, of, of this. And that's why the amount of people and, um, and even the low amount of, of median investment is pretty cool because we want this to be something that is widespread. And um, you know, when we set out on this, I think our initial goal was, well, if we got 1500 people to a game every week, that would be pretty awesome. And now looking at 3080, obviously not of all, all of whom are, are going to be at every game, um, we look at that as a real base to build on and build something even bigger than what was kind of initially imagined. When you founded or co-founded the team, did you know about equity crowdfunding and WeFunder or did you stumble upon this in kind of your journey? I didn't know about the specific mechanism of WeFunder. I knew that other clubs had done this. Um, I, this has been a, a dream of mine for a decade to, to build a team. I, I you know, um, I had uh, approached the existing owner of Minnesota United way back in the day with an idea of, of trying to build this model. And for, you know, that model does not work in MLS, um, which is where they were eventually going. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I've wanted to do something like this for a long time. And so that was, that's why I, I kind of made it my expertise. I'm not a, uh, a finance expert, but I have obsessed over this idea and then talked to um, Chattanooga FC and, and Detroit City um, were two extremely successful organizations that did this uh, in the men's sphere. And um, they gave me great advice and, and they, they both used WeFunder. And I, I thought, well, if, if it works for them, it'll work for us. And, and then worked with a lot of lawyers to, to really get myself and the rest of the team that we were building up to snuff to make sure that we knew what we were getting into and, and how and to really think through um, the logistics and the implications of, of how to actually go through all this process. But it was definitely at the initial meeting um, two years ago, it was at the center. The main thing is this is going to be a community uh, equity organization. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, already two years in the making. Has there been other outside capital or if you really taken it all from the community to date. And then second question to that, where does the capital get deployed? Yeah, so I mean, there was outside capital in that three of the co-founders um, put some money in, that's about it. <laughs> right? nice. And again, like I said, we did have multiple people approach us and say, hey, we would love to really invest. Um, and, and, uh, and we could have, other organizations you can do a Reg D, with a Reg CF, yeah. you know, um, your listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with those, but um, we could do that. Um, but we realized that we didn't need the, those kind of whales. Um, and, you know, while obviously it's way easier to get um, 100 grand from one person because you only have one person to deal with rather than, you know, uh, 100 people, <clears throat> it's much, um, it, it was not the point, like I said, to, to just get the money we wanted hundred people to invest that money. We wanted a thousand people to invest hundred dollars because we knew of the advantage later on. You know, obviously it makes it, dealing with three three thousand people is not easy. People had lots of different opinions about everything. They'll email you, and it's super great, but it's also overwhelming. It's it's way easier to deal with a couple of whales in some ways, but they also have 
you know, more power to, to, to their weight and they can tell you what to do. And we wanted to be led by a more broader democratic base. Um, now, how we're going to deploy the capital is really interesting. You know, we, um, we had a few different models of, well, let's say we raise X amount. Let's say we raise Y amount and, and Z amount. We hit Z. Um, and um, that was a little bit of a surprise, not something that we were totally blown away by, but, but uh, it definitely was pleasing. Um, and now it's a matter of figuring out what our trajectory is and how to, um, how to create a sustainable system. Uh, a lot of professional sports are built on deficit models where you lose, you know, the MLS teams are losing 3 million a year sometimes, but um, as you mentioned, uh, the New York Yankees are worth a uh, billion dollars now, and MLS teams do that. Soccer teams all around, they lose money every year, but uh, the, the overall value is, is growing exponentially. I, I find that model really problematic, um, and, <laughs> and we want something that's more sustainable. We don't want to ever have to be really dependent on uh, the hyper-wealthy to make this their toy that they lose money on. Um, and so that's a really big challenge. Not many teams run like that. And so we need to figure out a way to deploy this capital in ways that, um, that is sustainable and that helps us make uh, really good invest marketing investments where yes, we can spend X amount uh, on these early marketing points, but that pays off in longer term season tickets. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, and, that's a really vague answer to, to say that we're really answering some of those questions right now. Part of it is that we need to finalize our venue and know what kind of situation, how many people can we get in, what kind of season tickets. Um, we That again should probably be out by the time this podcast gets public, but you know, so it's, it's kind of talking about some things that aren't quite set. Um, but we are, we're here to kind of deploy that capital so that we have a future and, and that we can build again, toward what we believe is a trajectory toward, we all want to see professional women's soccer in Minnesota. And we want to be the ones that bring that there. In order to do that, we will have to grow enormously and we will have to go to those whales, right? The NWSL, the women's soccer sphere does require 35% ownership by someone with, um, I'm going off the top of my head. So I think they have to have 20 million in the bank or, or something. So we will have to go to larger investors, but our goal first is to build something that is that we can prove uh, the concept that we're, we're we believe in, and that we can prove um, is really sustainable. And then we can go and say, "All right, now we want to do this on a higher level." And we get those whales to come to us. We don't want to go to them. And we get to there the partnership so that we can build a really big um, community organization that can then be transferred into whatever form it might be. And maybe we stay at this level and maybe we're successful there, but our dream is to have a professional women's soccer team. And we'd be the, we'd love to be the ones to, to do that here. Really cool. Um, last question for you. It's, when you're getting into this lead, did you have to, you know, apply to get in and get some sort of license? How does that work? And, and where is that process at? Yeah. So we very early on, we were announced as one of the founders, founding teams of this league. The, the great part is that we were at the time, the, and for a long time, I think the only independent team, meaning we don't have a men's team. We don't have a, a, a youth um, academy that we're built out of. We are just a women's soccer team. That's all we do. Um, now there is an, another one uh, in Green Bay, actually. So there'll mm. be a great, um, we'll, we'll import that football rivalry. Um, 
And, uh, and so we applied very early on and had conversations with the league and said, hey, just so you know, this is who we are. We are going to have a community investors. We are not going to be operating these ways. Um, and they were excited by that. They weren't daunted. Um, I think that they've seen some success in the men's, uh, on the men's side of those teams that I mentioned. And, and I think that the vision we sold them was, was uh, confident enough. And, and so we are in that league and it kicks off actually in May. It's a very short season from May to the end of July. Um, and so we are basically over the next couple months, you know, we're recording this early January and um, we'll be announcing our team name. Uh, I think in March we'll announce, we'll uh, launch our kits, which uh, we'll have a home and away kit that um, I believe, you know, I've seen the initial work that we're doing on it and it is, they are going to be uh, gorgeous. And so um, we'll be selling lots of merchandise over the next couple months. And then we'll be announcing players and hopefully we'll be selling season tickets by the end of, of January. And that's really where, where it hits, right? Once we are actually saying we're going to be kicking a ball on May 20 something or you know late May, and here's where these people are gonna come out and they're gonna cheer for the first time that's what we've been building toward, toward getting these women on the pitch so that people can, uh, can wave flags and, and yell. So cool. I, I give you a lot of credit. It's definitely not an easy path to go, but to get to be a part of, you know, founding a sports team. I mean, I think that's a dream of a lot of people. Um, I give you a ton of credit for all that you've all accomplished. Um, it's definitely a team sport, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where this thing goes. Wes, anything last thing that you kind of want our listeners to know as, as we kind of ended here? No, I, 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 again, I will just say that um, there is a space to do what we've done. I've talked to a lot of uh, or several soccer teams have, or potential soccer teams have kind of called me up to, to start asking for advice on, on how we did and did what we did. And I think that we struck a little bit of magic, but um, in some ways, I think that there are a lot of people wanting to throw money into soccer and wanting to get involved in soccer. And to me, sustainable ways that we build women's soccer is the way that, um, that I just see all these rich dudes buying tiny teams in Traverse City or wherever. And like, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to build this big soccer team. And like, we don't even have more than 12 professional women's soccer teams. And we, and I just think that this is a space that people should be, investing in not to get rich, but investing in because it, we can build community assets that I'm um, sure we're not throwing away money. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not advocating investing uh, just for fun, but, um, but we can build things that are sustainable that can really accumulate um, in value uh, organically because they are a value that we're all coming together to build. And it is fun too, for sure. It is fun, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, Wes, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Congrats on all that you've accomplished already. Glad to be an investor and a part of the, the Minnesota uh, soccer team community um, and looking forward to the future. Thank you again. Thank you to all who are listening here today uh, and have a wonderful day. Thanks, Chris.